Hey guys, welcome to the Bad Blood Football Podcast. We're going to be covering the NFL postseason from an analytical point of view, but we're going to kind of focus on statistics for this. My name is Sean, and I'll be your host, and I'll be here with my two partners, Rob and Dan, who will be breaking down the matchups for you. So let's get right into it. So first up is this Bills and Texans matchup. Uh, they were both 10-6 and 6 this season, but despite that, ESPN has a 69% chance projected for the Texans to win. Dan, you could go ahead and take it away. All right, folks. So this matchup this Saturday at 4 o'clock is a tough one. My prediction is that the Bills will pull through. The Bills made it to the playoffs in 2017 for the first time this century. Now they'll once again look to gain their first postseason win since 1995, a drought of 23 seasons. That's third longest in the NFL. Leading them is their captain, Josh Allen. He's looking to be the first Bills quarterback since the great Jim Kelly to win a playoff game. Me personally, when I'm watching this game, I'm going to be looking at Josh Allen, Devin Singletary, Frank Gore, and John Brown. Josh Allen finished the year with over 3,000 passing yards, 20 touchdowns, and 9 interceptions with a QBR of 85.3%. He will look to uh, take down the defense of Houston this Saturday. Looking towards Singletary and Frank Gore, uh, prepare yourselves for them to share carries throughout this matchup and for John Brown to track down the deep ball and tear up the field for the Bills offense. Now on the defensive side of the ball, I'm looking at Tredavious White has not yet allowed a touchdown in coverage this season. White is looking to shut down Hopkins in a close matchup. He is a danger in coverage as evidenced by his six interceptions this season, tying him in first in the NFL. The Bills' defense overall is ranked third and could cause problems for Watson and the Texans, while also having the fourth-ranked pass defense. The Bills in recent years have been 6-2 and two on the road against the Texan team. And my prediction for the overall score of the game is going to end up being Buffalo 27, Houston 23. All right, well, obviously, I think that was a load of horseshit because uh, I obviously think the Texans are a better team here. I'm, I'm looking at their prediction uh, being 17-10. to 10. The Bills only have faced opponents with a 46% win rate, uh, only five winning teams of the entire season they played. So they also had nine games in which they uh, scored, uh, was decided by a touchdown or less, and they only won four of them. So they can't get it done when, they're, when it's a close, uh, close match at the end of the game. They are 24th ranked in offense. Josh Allen is just an inexperienced quarterback. Uh, I don't think he can get it done in the playoffs. I mean, their run game's good. Frank Gore, you know, he's an old man. Uh, he uh, he probably should have retired a couple of years ago, but that's just me. Their uh, passing offense sucks. They're 26th uh, in the ranking. Uh, they're 7-5 and five in conference play, 3-3 three and three in a division. You know, with New England being the best team in the NFL, obviously it's pretty hard to, uh, to win against them. Well, for the Texans, you know, Deshaun Watson – being phenomenal. They had a harder schedule with a 52% win rate of all opponents. They played more winning teams at six. They had 11 games that were decided by a touchdown or less, which they won eight of them. So obviously they can get it done at crunch time. Their last two losses, however, were by more than two touchdowns. Their last wins were by only by three points. So coming at the end of the season, you know, they're getting a little, uh, little wobbly, but that's to be expected. Only problem with the Texans is their, uh, their defense is kind of shoddy with about a 20 with their ranked 28th in the NFL. But their offense is looking looking pretty swell at at the, the 13th rank. So some players to watch for me, I agree with Dan here with Tredavious White. He hasn't he hasn't allowed a score, you know, he's he stands at 5'11", which is a little bit shorter than uh, Deshaun, or DeAndre Hopkins, but he's a good physical corner that can uh, that has good player recognition. Uh, he can play with the best receivers. He showed that all season and I think he's going to be a handful for DeAndre Hopkins to to kind of get into his flow. Now, also for Buffalo, I think Cole Beasley and John Brown as a duo 
are going to be um, kind of hard to handle for the Texans just because you got the one corner or your cornerbacks are kind of shoddy. They both ranked up about 100 yards against New England, which is the number one ranked defense. So I think it's going to be a little troublesome, but I still think the Texans are going to be able to pull through. So for the Texans, the player to watch right now is Duke Johnson. He averages about 4.9 yards a carry. He was recently named the starter. He's a good receiving back out of the out of the backfield with about 9.3 yards, better than any of the Bills running backs right now. Because uh, you know Frank Gore, like I said, old as dirt, so uh, he's not doing much in the backfield. Uh, Duke Johnson also has about 44 catches, which is his third most receptions on the team, and a good Texans team with uh, DeAndre Hopkins on it. Also, J.J. Watts coming back from injury. Uh, he was injured for the last eight games, uh, which he'll be coming back uh, just for the postseason. And even in his first eight games, he uh, he got four sacks, three pass deflections. He's always a scary player and a huge problem for opposing tackles to deal with, let alone stop. He's always a monster, and I think he's going to be a deciding factor in the game because that defense has been so weak. He's just going to be a boost to the morale, get the captain back. Texans are pulling it out 17-10. Whatever Dan said, it doesn't matter. All right, well, I agree with you on some points, but – I believe that the Bills could pull it through. I know the odds aren't in their favor, and they have lost the last two weeks of the regular season back-to-back against the Patriots and the Jets. But I feel as if uh, them going into the playoffs this postseason, week one wildcard game, that they're hungry. They're going to get after it. Let's go, Bills. I mean, of course they're hungry, but I mean, they lost to the Jets. The Jets of all people, they're not even that good. So what? So what does that say for the? So what does that even say for the Bills' confidence going into the playoffs? I mean, come on. Now. I mean, New England obviously a phenomenal team. We could talk about the Dolphins' loss. I understand that, but the Jets are not a team to lose to in the NFL right now, especially if you're going into the playoffs. That's my. That's why I rest my case. I Texans are going to win all day. So do you guys have any specific players that we should look out for in this game? Like what you know, besides the ones you've already mentioned, what would you say? You know, if you had three players to pick, what would you pick? What should viewers be on the lookout for? Number one, obviously, we both agreed on this. Tredavious White, uh, best corner in the league right now, well tied for best with uh, most interceptions, not a touchdown allowed. Uh, I think, like I said earlier, he's going to be a nightmare for DeAndre Hopkins to deal with. Now, if he can deal with him, DeAndre Hopkins is going to have a good game because he is taller than him. Um, he's also a physical receiver. Uh, he does have tells, unfortunately, but I, I don't think that that's going to be a problem for him. But like I said, White may be a problem. Yes, and in uh, recent weeks, kind of throughout this whole season, compared to last season, Hopkins' numbers aren't the greatest as they used to be. But I still agree, if the the matchup's going to be good between the two players, and if Hopkins can find his groove and break away from that defender, then uh, he'll put up some points on the board for Houston. So Dan, how do you explain the whole uh, the the Bills not being able to pull through with that touchdown or less um, statistic? So, so they only won four games out of the nine that were decided by a touchdown or less. Why can't they get it done? I mean, is there any answer for that, or is this just it just comes down to the last minute and they're just not they're just not in good position? Um, I think it's because they're not fully prepared. Maybe due to their offensive coaching communicating with the quarterback and him fluently communicating with the rest of his team. I just think they need to get that under their belt, get it going, and uh, convert. I mean, and, and, and that shows in their uh, in their rankings, right? I mean, the 24th ranked offense with Josh Allen. I mean, he is a dual threat, but I mean, he he's is. obviously not that good. I mean, I mean, it's just, I mean, they're not that dynamic yet. I, and I just, I just think that's going to be a big problem for them. And especially, if, I mean, I guess they're positive in conference play, but the AFC conference has been relatively weak. So I mean, it. I'm not really sure where to go from here. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know that the Bills can pull it through. Now, granted, I mean, the Texans aren't that strong either, and I'm not saying they are. 
but I do think that the Texans are a way better team than the Bills right now. So are you saying, why, what makes you say that Josh Allen's not that good? Like, he's got a pretty good um, rushing game. Like, he averages 4.7 yards per attempt out of 109 attempts this season. No, I know, and I understand that. I mean, yeah, I... <laughs> Yeah, but that takes away from his pass game. I mean, like your quarterback, I mean, I guess you want a dual threat quarterback, but at the same time, I mean, if you don't have a good pass game, like where are you going to go? Because that's obviously the bread and butter of the NFL right now. However, a running quarterback, you're going to worry about injuries more often. He's more susceptible to injury. You know what I mean? I I don't think that that makes him as good as a stand-in-the-pocket passer. That's true, but I, th- I feel like it could still cause issues for the for the Texans because they have such a weak run defense. Um, do you think that's going to cause issues for them, or do you think they're just going to outscore the Bills? It's going to be a high-scoring kind of game. What, what was your prediction on the points? So I'm saying 17-10 Texans, and I think that that hole is going to be filled with J.J. Watt coming back. They haven't had J.J. Watt for the last eight. I would like to disagree. I think when it comes down to third down, they need to convert. I think since Josh Allen has the edge and he's willing to get out there gain those extra yards if the play is not open on the field. He's uh, confident enough, and his legs will get him across that first down mark and keep the chain moving. Well, I'm definitely thinking J.J. Watt's going to be a big problem there because if J.J. Watt's uh, spying the quarterback all game long, I mean, he's going to be a problem. I mean, he may not be 100%, but J.J. Watt is a large individual who is scary on the field. Tackles have always had problems dealing with him, and I think Josh Allen will think twice about running after he gets hit once by J.J. Watt because he is a monster of a human being. But he also is coming off injury, and he may not be 100%. Well, you're right, but I mean, still, even not 100% J.J. Watt's still pretty freaking scary. (laughs) But I mean, mean, granted, the rest of the defense still is not pulling their weight with that 28th-ranked defense. However, regardless, I think Texans are winning. All right, so I think it's pretty clear where both of you guys stand, so let's just move into this Tennessee-New England game. Um, so Tennessee is 9-7, and seven and New England is 12-4, and four, and you know predictably ESPN has a 73% favorite for the Patriots. Um, Obviously. You, you, you know what I think about this. Uh, you know, I got the Patriots too, but let's, get, you know, let's see what Dan thinks. For me, I'm not so sure. I think Tennessee Titans are looking strong, and I think they can pull this one through. So looking into this game for the 8 o'clock window, the Titans are 9-7 and seven this year, and this has been their record for the last four seasons. Gone is Marcus Mariota, banished to the bench in favor of reborn Ryan Tannehill, who in the past has led the Dolphins in 2016 to a playoff appearance. Accompanying Ryan Tannehill behind the line of scrimmage is Derrick Henry, old Alabama standout Heisman winner, the league's leading rusher, and on the flanks an emerging receiving threat, A.J. Brown, who is a rookie this year. After playing a season's worth of postseason games under Belichick, second-year Titans head coach Mike Vrabel is making his postseason coaching debut. Titans advanced the two years ago to lose to New England in the AFC Divisional Round after a wild-card match against Kansas City Chiefs, but this year the Titans get the Patriots a week early and on its heels. Last season... Titans defensive got defense got the best of Brady in the past, holding New England to 10 points, one red zone trip, and three out of 15 on three down conversions. For me, I'm going to be watching Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, and A.J. Brown. And the second round rookie receiver, A.J. Brown, is the breakout star for this Titans offense and their receiving core under Arthur Smith, averaging over 100 yards per game on just... 4.2 receptions per game since week 12. And his 605 yards were the most in the NFL in that span, and Brown's 12.5 reception yards per target on the year was a league high. 
So for me, I'm picking the Tennessee Titans. I think they're going big. They're going to play strong. And the final score for me is going to be Tennessee 30, New England 27. Boo. Tennessee, nope, no, no thank you. New England, obviously, I'm a huge New England fan. I got them winning 24 to 10. The Titans did beat the Chiefs uh, in the regular season. However, they have the 21st ranked defense, which I do think that that is going to be a little bit of a problem uh, moving forward in the postseason, especially for a New England offense that has so much experience in the playoffs. That's uh, a group that's been together. Tom Brady and Julian Edelman together have been phenomenal in the playoffs. Um, can't ask for anything better. Uh, the Titans offense is 12th ranked with behind Ryan Tannehill, who should have retired a couple of years ago just because he was on that Dolphins team that was absolutely booty cheeks. Should have left there. Absolutely. Ah, come on. Ryan Tannehill could be so much. Uh, he should be so much better, but the Dolphins held him back, and the Titans aren't helping him either. He is doing well this season. However, I, I do not think that he's going to be able to keep this up, especially in the playoffs against New England's number one ranked defense. They have Stephon Gilmore that's going to be an absolute nightmare. For Ryan Tannehill and his inexperience in the playoffs. Obviously, he lost in the 2016 playoffs as on the Dolphins, and I just don't think they're going to be able to pull it through. Now, New England did play a little bit easier schedule. However, uh, they, they did also struggle after the bye, which they lost to the Chiefs and the Texans, but I don't think that's going to be a problem because the Patriots are obviously the greatest dynasty to ever play the game of football. Leading the charge is Tom Brady, the greatest of all time, regardless of anyone, what anyone says. Joe Montana is on the bench compared to him. Uh, uh, my players to watch this game, obviously Ryan Tannehill. He does have 22 touchdowns and only six picks. He has been sacked 31 times, which means that offensive line is super shoddy. Only 3,000 yards this season? Come on now. Good QBR, though, at 117. However, I don't think he's faced a single cornerback this season as good as Stephon Gilmore. And, yeah, I'm, I'm watching Tom Brady, the greatest of all time. He's got 4,000 yards this season, 24 touchdowns. He's only averaging about 6.6 .6 yards a pass. However, that's just his game. You know, throwing to Julian Edelman on those quick slants. Always getting the first downs. He's always moving down the field. He has a legacy in the playoffs. He's been there countless times for as long as I can remember. And he's got a um, phenomenal playoff experience. Stephon Gilmore on the defensive side. Tied for the most interceptions in the league with my boy Tredavious White also. Uh, he's been a shutdown corner. He's been uh, producing problems all season for receivers. And I don't think that the Titans, I don't think A.J. Brown can even begin to get open with Stephon Gilmore's shutdown ability. It's going to be a cakewalk for him to shut down those receivers. And I, I just don't think the, the Titans are going to pull it out. I think the Pats are going to win 24-10. So, Rob, you know I agree with you on this one, but how do you explain that loss to the Dolphins that they just took? It was obviously a fluke. You know what, people, the last week of the season, everyone's just relaxing because they know, like, okay, we're going to ride this out. The Dolphins are going to be an easy team. Obviously, it bit them in the ass because the Dolphins are playing a little bit harder than they should be at the end of the season because we all know they're trying to tank for that draft pick, but apparently not. And everyone obviously was not prepared for it. And I don't think it's going to be a problem. I think Bill Belichick's just going to be saying, do your job like normal, and it's they're going to be able to just stomp the Titans. It's not going to be a match. So my problem with that is I believe after the bye week the Patriots had, their defense, although still ranked number one in the league, has plummeted in their performance, as well as Tom Brady's performance, although he is a Hall of Famer and for sure one of the, maybe not the, but oh, one come of on the now. best QBs. The, the best. The, the best QB. Don't, 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 okay, keep going, though. The best. <laughs> With his standing QBR at only 88%. 
where going into this game, Ryan Tannehill's is 117.5%. That's just because he's played trash opponents all, all year long. No one has been able to stop the New England defense. He's never When he has faced the New England defense, it's, gonna, the heat, it's just going to be problems. And that's all I'm saying. And with the Patriots slowing dip in performance on defense, that's going to be a big issue for them when Derrick Henry is running down their throats and he's getting hot on the field while your guys' running backs are all scattered all over the place. You do not have a consistent running back for Whoa. that team. So it's going to be hard for your offense to get going when you don't have a run game Our run to game, get established. The, the New England run game is intertwined with the pass game. All the New England backs can catch the ball out of the backfield. That's what we draft for. That's what they get free agents for. Uh, James White is just a, a monster in the backfield. He's a dual threat. And Derrick Henry, okay, he can run. Yeah, he's a big boy. But, I mean, he's, our defensive line is just going to gobble him up. And I and I just think our backs out of the backfield are just going to absolutely trample over those those outside backers who can't run with the run with the, uh, the running backs. Well, currently you're facing uh, multiple injuries on your defense right now, so you're going to be possibly without some key uh, defensive players for that Patriots defense. So he's next man up, man. Collins, Jason McCourty, Jonathan Jones. Those are some key players that you usually have in your starting lineup on defense, which are not going to be there. You're right, but uh, but uh, Bill Belichick, my boy, he always drafts well. He always gets his free agents well. It's always next man up in that organization, and I think they uh, I think they do the job well enough in the uh, off season where they can get backups that are just as good as the starters. And I think it's it's not going to be a problem. And another injury that's coming to my mind is how are you feeling about Julian Edelman and his questionable knee and shoulder. Is he going to be good for game time? Julian Edelman will play in the playoff game. I, I don't think anything can stop that man from playing in a playoff game. He is the bread and butter of the offense. I think Bill Belichick will talk him into it. He And he may regret it in the end, but, I mean, you know what? He signed up for it. So Julian Edelman is going to be the GOAT right alongside Tom Brady, and I think he's just going to be – he'll get 10 receptions this game, I, I and, and I have no doubt. So, Dan, something that you said earlier is that – you, your prediction for the points just seems a little out of whack to me. So you, you predicted that the Titans would get 30 points against the Belichick's defense. Yes. So yes. they they only give up 14.1 points on average. So the way I see it is that like Brady's going to get like 21 points, but I just can't imagine the Titans passing, you know, that amount. Like I just can't, I can't see them getting that amount of points. Their offense is not even that. And good. like, how do you explain the 31 sacks? Like, 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 like that, that offensive line is just shot with this number run ranked defense. I know you're talking about injuries, but I mean, if an offensive line can't hold it together, Ryan Tannehill's going to be pressured all night long. I mean, but they've been struggling with that offensive line all season, and still Derrick Henry is putting up those points. He's running down the field all game. So maybe these stats are not there, but I'm making a bold prediction that the Titans will be able to get that run game going, and it'll go right down their throat with it. All right, let's you know, let's move on to the next game. I think we know where you guys both stand. Rob's never going to change his opinion. Never in a million years. Guy. <laughs> uh, you know, I think Rob's right on this one, but maybe not quite to the degree that he does. <laughs> so let's move on to this Vikings and Saints game. The Vikings have a ten and six record this uh, season, and the Saints were thirteen and three. So of course, ESPN sixty three percent for the Saints to win. So go ahead and take it away, Dan. All right. Well, we all remember what happened. Uh, in the postseason with the Saints and Vikings game in the past. The Vikings are back in the playoffs now for the first time since they 
unlikely sprint to the NFC Championship game. That path in- included a meeting with the Saints, as previously mentioned, and a stunning finish that ripped the hearts out of Saints fans. It is now known as the Minneapolis Miracle. Kirk Cousins will get his first postseason taste of this matchup since joining the Vikings via free agency in 2018, and he'll welcome the return of running back Dalvin Cook, an essential part of the Vikings' eighth-ranked scoring offense. Without Cook, the Vikings have lost two straight, and their offense is looking a little uh, not all together. Now that Cook's back, I think they'll be running smoothly. Players to watch for me would be Kirk Cousins and his performance in his debut in the playoffs, as well as Dalvin Cook's return, and their number one receiver, Stephon Diggs. Cook will have a challenge ahead of him in his first game since December 15th. New Orleans Saints boast the number four rushing defense, allowing just 91.3 yards per game on the ground. The Saints have allowed just 12 rushing touchdowns all season, and they're tied for ninth best in the NFL, but Cook has scored up to 13 touchdowns all season, and I think he will have a hell of a performance in this game. I think it's going to be a tough game, and my uh, my prediction at the end of it will be Minneapolis 20, New Orleans 31. My surprise. Okay. I still got the Saints. I, I'm I and I just think the Saints are going to be unstoppable tonight. I, I granted I I do think the uh, the game is going to be close. Seventeen fourteen is my prediction. The Saints are are nine and three in conference play. Obviously with a with a record of thirteen and three, you know they've been phenomenal. There's close games. You know with a touchdown or less, they've won seven out of eight games. So they get it done. Drew Brees is that. You know he's just a little bit behind Tom Brady in his in his ability. However, his fourth quarter his fourth quarter comeback uh, captain skills are are amongst the best. Uh, their one of their losses was against the 49ers, was only by two in Week 14. It's a hard fought game. Obviously, it couldn't win either way. They're both fantastic teams. So the Vikings, you know, they're struggling. They lost uh, to two playoff competitors, the Seahawks and the Packers. Uh, both unfortunately less than 14 points or less. However. Um, you know they're they're boasting you know the 14th ranked defense. They're only 16th ranked offense. 23rd in passing. Kirk Cousins could have could be better. He's not playing to his ability in my opinion, and I don't think he's going to be playing to his ability in this game. Uh, some of my players to watch for the Vikings. So Trey Waynes and Xavier Rhodes are the cornerbacks for the Vikings. They're going to have to deal with Michael Thomas. I don't think they're going to be able to deal with him. It's going to be a problem. You know, and they're both struggling right now. And um, and I do think that holding Drew Brees, that has uh, almost every single record for QB stats, to not throw in a fantastic game on them is going to be very hard, considering that defense is, like I said, struggling. Michael Thomas is going to be my guy for the for the Saints. Obviously, uh, the best receiver in the game right now. He just broke Marvin Harris's record. Uh, he's got 1,700 yards uh, with Marvin Harris's record, 149 receptions. Uh, with nine touchdowns, he averages about 11.6 yards a reception. He's a red zone target with 50% of his uh, receptions in the red zone, resulting in touchdowns, which is a phenomenal stat. Obviously, if they go to him, those cornerbacks better watch their backs. Uh, however, uh, he is targeted most uh, mostly between the 20s, uh, with most of his targets coming on their side of the field, uh, especially when you know getting the getting the drive started and whatnot. He has nearly 100 100 yards in every single game that he's played with a a season high 296 yards with 19 receptions against the Buccaneers which is an absolutely crazy game. I do think the Saints are going to pull it out 17-14. It's going to be a close game. I do think the Vikings might put up a little bit of a fight. But other than that, I mean, the Saints are they're, they're at home. They got the home field advantage. It's going to be real tough for the Vikings. 
So picking, piggybacking off of what Rob was at, uh, saying about Drew Brees, I'm wondering what Dan thinks about the Vikings' ability to stop his passing attack because the the Saints have the third best passing offense, whereas the Vikings' defense struggles very specifically against the pass. So like they have a good run defense, but the Saints don't rely on their run game. So do you think that the Vikings' fifteenth best passing defense is going to be able to handle Drew Brees? I'll tell you what, that is going to be a tough matchup, and I believe that we would need to see a big performance out of cornerback Xavier Rhodes, as well as free safety Harrison Smith, and as well as DN Danielle Hunter. I mean, it's going to be a tough matchup, a tough task to beat with Drew Brees on that offense, but if those three those three key players step up, they could have a slight ch- slight chance. I don't know. Well, you never know. We'll talk about that. Yeah, and I just think that that Brees and that offensive line, like I I just think Brees will be able to get the ball out quicker than that DN can get to him. I mean, it, it's just and plus with with Michael Thomas being how he is, he just he's a threat all over the field. Uh, those and those yes. corners and safeties are just going to be. I think they're going to be scrambling because not only do you have the worry about Michael Thomas, but I'm sure they have other receivers in that receiving core that are going to be able to put on a show because they're going to probably try to double team, triple team Michael Thomas, and it's just going to be taking away from the rest of the other uh, rest of the other players, which is they're going to find openings. And I, I do think Drew Brees can pick him apart. He's one of the best, not the best, but one of the best. And um, yeah, and their offense is is running with that ninth ranked offense, and, and I just think that they're not going to be able to stop not be able to stop him yeah yeah i'm definitely with you on this one rob but you know i think everyone knows where both of you guys stand so let's move on to this seattle and eagles game so you know seattle's gonna go play the eagles at home and uh the seattle's 11 and 5 and the eagles are 9 and 7 so espn has a 60.3 percent chance for the eagles to take this one so what do you think dan well the uh the eagles they have looked better and they have looked better as of late because since the loss to seattle uh, Carson Wentz guided the Eagles to four straight wins to close out the season. And as we all probably know, they have, for the past two years, been struggling through many injuries. And Philadelphia started the season out as one of the most disappointing teams in the league. The Eagles have now been in the playoffs in three of Wentz's four NFL seasons. The quarterback has yet to take a postseason snap. <laughs> after ending the past two campaigns on IR, leaving Nick Foles to lead the Eagles, Wentz will finally play a January football game. Despite the crumbling situation surrounding him, the signal caller performed admirably down the stretch, averaging 302 passing yards per game, a 99.3 passer rating, and throwing 10 touchdowns to just one interception on a Hail Mary in December. For me, this is also going to be a very tough game for the Eagles, but they could potentially pull this through when Wentz's first appearance in the postseason. I think it's going to be a good one. I think the players to watch was definitely going to be Wentz's performance. I think their standout Miles Sanders running back will be a good one to watch coming out of a little bit of an injury last week. And their new standout, Boston Scott, NFC Offensive Player of Week 17, as well as Zach Ertz coming back from a slight injury looking to perform big for game time all right i'm disagreeing here i come from a place that is all eagles fans all the time and i have been sick and tired of hearing them boast about the eagles winning the super bowl and i don't think they're making it past the seattle seahawks in this one Wentz, he is amongst a team of misfits and throwaways from the practice squad Wentz should be behind nick Foles right now i've always been about about that opinion nick Foles is an all-around better quarterback but I digress. The Seahawks have had a tougher schedule with a 53% win rate of all opponents. 
They played eight winning teams. They're fantastic in uh, crunch time with 10 wins, uh, with games decided by a touchdown or less. Russell Wilson has that experience. They beat the Eagles in the regular season directly after a bye. The, my, my players to watch for this one, Marshawn Lynch, beast mode coming back for the playoff time right now. The only running back healthy for the Seattle Seahawks right now is a rookie, Travis Homer, who only has 18 carries this season. So Lynch is going to get a lot of play time. We know exactly what Lynch does in the playoffs. He's a monster. They should have gave it to him on the one-yard line, but of course, New England's always been better calling plays like they should, intercepting the ball on the one-yard line. Marshawn Lynch, however, is a, is a beast. He will... Uh, with a fresh set of legs coming off of coming out of free agency for I don't even know how long. I didn't know he was gone. Their offense is ranked eighth amongst all NFL teams and they're fourth uh, in rushing. However, uh, that's obviously taking a hit because of the um, the injuries. However, Lynch coming back is going to be a huge help. What makes you think he's going to be such a big help? Like, is he really going to turn it around in the playoffs? Because he did play some, and he you know he has two point eight yards per carry and out of twelve in twelve attempts. That's like pretty bad stats for someone like him. So, what makes you think it's going to be different in the playoffs? Just like because he's a clutch player, or because he's going to be eating them skittles? Obviously, he's uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's coming. I mean, I, I don't know. He he's just a playoff guy. I mean, and and we saw what he did to the um, the Saints way back when he just ran through eleven guys, and and there's nothing they can do about. It. I just think he's too much of a threat. He is getting a little older, um, but I think that that's uh, that doesn't really matter. I would be a little worried about his performance. I think that's. Uh, to be seen and I don't know I, I mean I think the Philadelphia will surprise you and they have a fighting chance they have home field advantage yeah well they shouldn't and even be there the Cowboys should be there all day long the Cowboys are a much better team that's neither here nor there this is how the cookie crumbles I mean I, I guess you're and, right uh, Philadelphia Eagles in the postseason <laughs> while Cowboys are sitting at home on their couch I mean, I guess, but like, and like we were saying earlier, they're all beat up. Like, I, I, I just cannot foresee Seattle. They've been playing beat up for the past two. Yeah, seasons. but I mean, that doesn't like you know, not as bad as this season. And plus, their star tight end is barely coming back. He's got broken ribs. If my man plays, he's gonna have problems. Like, he's not gonna play to like the Zacherts that he normally does. Like, how are you, how are you gonna play with broken ribs? He's definitely only gonna see limited time. And when they did play. In the Seattle game, he had the most receptions of the year uh, of his season with twelve receptions. He only had well, you know, they also have the second tight end, Goddard, Dallas ah. Goddard coming in. He's been a he's been a he's been quite the stud. I gotta say, on the tight end, definitely a fluke position. He, he's not he's not nearly I, as I good as Zach. I don't think he's a fluke. He's not nearly as good as Zach Ertz. and Goddard. I mean, who even is? That? I never even heard of that guy. Was he a practice squad guy? Another misfit? Come on now. So Dan. You know, I know you were saying that you think Carson Wentz is going to come up big, even though it's his first playoff game. But I think a concern on a lot of viewers' minds is going to be, you know, how, how do we know that? Like, he's never done it. So will he really perform when it matters? You know, what do you see their offense doing in this game? I mean, you're not wrong. It is his first appearance postseason. Who knows where his game will go? But uh, I think, I mean, it's very hard to tell. It's a game time kind of you just got to wait and see what happens because Carson Wentz, yeah, it was his first game postseason, and they're, uh, they rotate running backs all over the place. Their receiving core is not the best. 
Um, maybe to put points on the board, they just got to run the Philly Philly again. That's all I'm going to say. I don't know. And then listen real quick. Carson Wentz, like I was saying, Big Nick Nick should be in there. But, of course, they let him go, and then he got hurt. But let's uh, And let's be real. In their last game against the Giants, should have been an easy win. Wentz only completed 57% of his passes and only threw for one touchdown. Granted, that one touchdown was a phenomenal throw. I'll give him that. However, only completing 50% of your passes against the New York Giants of all freaking teams? How is that even possible? Plus, this dude shouldn't even be healthy. He's been hurt every single year that I can remember. His knees are shot. He's going to get hurt at some point, and he's just going to be done. I, I don't understand how he's even still in the NFL. He should have retired back when he tore his ACL the first time. Nick Foles should be the starter. I rest my case. Seattle is winning this game. But, Rob, <laughs> the Seattle's Seattle's defense is just so bad. Like, I feel like my seven-year-old grandfather will go out there and, you know, throw up at least 14 points. So, like, it doesn't – like, you don't think there's just a problem there? Like, even if Carson Wentz does suck this game up, like, aren't they just – still going to win because Seattle's defense is so bad? I don't think Seattle's defense is going to be nearly the problem that you're making it out to be because the Eagles' uh, receiving core is just ass. They have no hands. Like Dan was saying, their running backs are just, like, they're running through running backs like it's nothing. Everybody's getting hurt. They had to go to a practice squad guy that I don't think anyone's ever heard of. Granted, he somehow had a breakout he had a breakout game, but lucky for him, or lucky for Wentz, because Wentz was sucking like I was just saying. I mean, granted, I, the 26-ranked defense, fine. Yeah, they're not doing too well, but the Eagles' offense isn't doing too well. I mean, they got, what, the 14th-ranked offense? That's with previous games when everyone was healthy. Nelson Aguilar's out. That's probably, what, their best receiver? He's still booty cheeks anyway. So, I mean, like, they have no hope in the world. All right, yeah, I mean, I'm taking the Eagles to win this one, but I see where you guys are both coming from. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode of the Bad Blood Football Podcast. Check back on Monday to see whose predictions end up being more accurate. We'll be keeping track throughout the playoffs and, uh, you know, going into the next season, See you know, see who ends up looking dumb. Uh, enjoy the games. Talk to you guys in a few days.